Welcome to Fires in the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and together, finally, I'm with Roy. We're we're bending the social distancing rules. We are bending the social distancing rules, and uh, I, I've been pretty good. Uh, we've been really safe over at the Jones slash Lurie, mm-hmm. the Dojo House, you want to call it? The Dojo House. Yeah, Donovan Jones Dojo. Lily <laughs> calls me Dojo. Okay. I call her Lojo. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, so we, we're trying to do the same. We're, you know, limiting our trips outside and you're trying to be very clean with our with our habits and all of that. Uh, but it's about time that we got back in the same room. Um, and it's it, it's a weird time in our world right now. So today's Tuesday. We got Paint It Black as our music, which is in honor of our guest, Cody Decker, because yeah. he used the music on his video productions. But it kind of has meaning with the whole Black Lives Matter protest going on right now. Different layers in there. But the, yeah. the world is, is black right now. It's dark and it's uh, frightening and stupid. And uh, I... You know, I can go on about what I think about it, but I think right now, specifically for me, times like this, I try to listen. I, I, mm-hmm. I try to listen, and I've always, to the best of my ability, tried to treat everyone by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Right. Because an asshole is an asshole is an asshole no matter what. True. And um, sometimes I fall short. Um, sometimes what I'm thinking... Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't align with those things, and that that goes for all colors and all races of people. Uh, it's my actions. It's that second thought. It's the second action. It's the action that I take from those thoughts that I think is important. True. Because I work in food service. I I just hate everybody. <laughs> I, I, you know? <laughs> well, so I, I check, like, basically all the privileged boxes. I'm a male. I'm white. I'm, you know, all of that stuff. And so I can't pretend to relate to what people have lived through growing yeah. up. So all I can do is support, you know, the movement and hope. What I really hope comes out of this is that some minds change. Some of the people that hold racist views, some of the maybe the law enforcement officers that maybe let things happen are that they start taking a different action. Maybe we'll see some changes in the polls. This I I I pray that we see a lot of changes in the polls this this fall. Um, So there's a lot of good things that I hope come out of this. Uh, so in the meantime, we're getting together to talk about baseball, uh, try to, you know, give you all something different to think about for an hour or so. Right. And before we even get to the good stuff, which is going to be Cody Decker, he's going to come on here in a minute, uh, and bring some, hopefully bring some, some light, fun stories and just general pleasantness. Uh, but we have some bad news it's, again. Cause it's now more doom and gloom, yeah. more doom and gloom, more major league. How many major league teams have dropped their minor leaguers? Now this is right. something that happens. Normally during spring training, you're like, oh, like I remember when Luis Asuncion got, he got released again this year, but when he got released, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of, yeah, I remember him. Mm-hmm. They were Tri-Cities and he got, had a stint with uh, with um, Fort Wayne. Now these teams, it's, once again, it looks like a bad look. It's, they're cutting these, lopping off 40 teams, our 40 players, up to 40 players. And I think just, I saw that the Diamondbacks are over 60. Yeah, and the I, Yankees are around 50. The Mariners are way up there. So the Padres released 26 players, according to Jeff Sanders. He put a list out today. Um, and I could run through all these names, but there's too many of them to read off. Uh, but I, So Baseball America was tracking how many players have been released since March 1st, and then comparing that to the players released between March and the end of May in prior years. So as of right now, the Padres have released 32 players. So the 26 just released plus six more that were released right when camp broke, broke when right. it ended, it, right. whatever you want to call that. Um, 
last year, so 32 players this year. Last year, the Padres released 33 players in that same time span. The year before, it was 23. So it's not out of range. I think it's just striking to see this many names all released all in one big fell swoop. When the big topic of the day is continuing to play pay minor leaguers their that $400 weekly stipend. Right. Some of the key some of the, you know but it does not go without people that we know. Trey Carter, uh, uh, Trey Carter was a guy who came on the podcast no, we never talked we never, to Trey. Oh my God! No, but we reached out to him, and he's—I mean—he's very active in social media. Yeah. And, Maybe uh, that's why. You know, his mom, Erica. <laughs> yeah, um, and Dan Dallas is somebody that I, Angela, my wife, she's been in correspondence with Dan ever she's since sad. she met him at spring training. <laughs> uh, what was that? 2016, I think that you that you met him. Um, and really nice guy, a talented guy that had a couple of good years. I thought he was poised for a breakout this year. Yeah. Right, you met. Yeah, you, yeah, him and Logan Allen are close. Um, so these guys now they're and Mason House was another notable name. He was signed in the he drafted in the third round. They signed him for over seven hundred grand. He hasn't hit well really in any right. campaign, but you, you figure high school draftee, you give him a long leash. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that leash only runs for so long, I guess. You know, Tom Coletti, uh, Chris Huffman, two guys, Blake Rogers, a guy that yeah, you know. It's one of those guys, okay, next week we'll get him on the podcast. Next week I'll reach out to him. And it just, it, it never happened. Yeah. But Blake, Blake Rogers had, he, he was performing. He was yeah. doing well. Yeah. He's one of these guys, his names kept popping up in the, in the box scores. Yeah. So 26 guys are now no longer with the Padres organization. They're looking for their next opportunity, whether that's within baseball, or I'm sure a bunch of these guys are having that difficult decision of, okay, what do I do now? I mean, Charlie Valerio was one of these guys that was released, and he was playing independent ball before the Padres signed him to a minor league contract and invited him to spring major league spring training. He was in big league camp this year. Right, right. So it's a bunch of, I mean, every one of these guys has a story. Um and their stories will continue, just not with the Padres organization. Yeah, and that's that's kind of tough, but it's, yeah. it's league-wide. Uh, to kind of touch on the major league side of things, God, it just continues to be a big, giant turd sandwich. Like, either, yeah, and kind of really both sides really can't get out of their own way. I want to side with the players because I think they want to play, but the 114-game season, is that including playoffs in World Series, or is that 114 total? I, I think that was like a regular season for 114 games is what they asked. And they, then play deep into with, December they, or November. Through the end of October. Right. Play Regular deep season in, games till the end of October and then playoffs after that. And then the, but then the Major League Baseball is throwing back 50 games. Okay, how about we just play the 50 games and you do the prorated contracts because that's, they kind of worked out the numbers. Yeah. And that's, and then they've got the whole percentages thing that the guy's making the most money, take the biggest cuts. I feel like these two sides are way too far apart yeah. for them to make to make it happen. Yeah. So then, lost in the shuffle is the minor leaguers. They're all still, you know, okay. Train like we're going to turn it on next week. Be ready. Yeah. Joey Cantillo, get out there on that mound and throw. You know, like you're throwing bullpens right. three three days a week, whatever regular routine is. Mason Fieldy throw like I don't. Know, I saw something on Instagram where he like he chucked one like oh, some hundred yards or whatever. He just chucked one. But he's getting up to speed, you know. Okay, and this yeah. was going to be his. This was going to be his year where he's actually going to probably see some affiliate ball. I think that was the goal, right? Was for yeah. him to to actually get into competitive games this year. Yeah, and these guys finishing their rehab. Anderson Espinoza, he was up. He's he's. It looks like he's throwing full speed. Yeah. So God, he's gotten old. He's. I mean, he's still really young. But you see pictures of him now on Instagram, and like God, he just looks so much older than. 
you know, two years ago, two and a half, three years ago when he first got signed or when we first got him in the trade. He's 22. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's a lot different than when we were, you know, really paying attention. Right. Two years ago. Yeah, we were hoping to see so much from all these different guys. And now it's, I'm, I'm thinking there's, I don't see how minor league baseball happens. No. And I don't see how the major league sides work it out. I guess there's still a chance that we see something. But I, I have a hard time seeing it work out. And what really scares me is that these negotiations are going from a distance. It appears that they're going so poorly. I'm worried that there's going to be a labor stoppage that affects next year. Yeah, well, that whatever agreements here, one side is definitely not going to be happy, and they're going to push harder in negotiation for a new contract. Right. And that's not good. Like this should be. I mean, it's real simple for us to say, like, oh, it's, let's. It should be set up for the. You know, they should come together, and it should be kind of a precursor to what's going to happen when they have the. You know, the new the collective bargaining agreement. The collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is all the stuff that's on the table. It's now it, whatever they throw out there immediately becomes a big bargaining issue yeah. for for that CBA, which right. is a huge deal. And with all you need to do is put a giant paragraph in there saying, just because of what's going on, we are doing this. Like we're both coming in with good faith. I don't know if there's a whole lot of good faith going on right now. That's the thing. This is why I hate people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such an optimist that We're I'm assuming constantly good faith. disappointed in people. No, there's no good faith when lawyers are involved. And that's no. what's going on here. You've got lawyers on both sides. I see a line of cars and they are painted black. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Travis Healers here. I'm a local sports chiropractor and I practice at Oasis MD lifestyle healthcare in Mira Mesa. I know a lot of the offices are closed during these troubling times, but just wanted to let everyone know that I'm open for business and ready to treat all your chiropractic needs daily from 10 to 3, as well as 10 to noon on Saturdays. We have a full-time cleaning staff and maintain social distancing, so I want to make sure everyone knows that it's safe to come into the clinic. I treat patients of all ages with neck and back pain, but my specialty is in sports chiropractic. If you have any questions or would like to make an appointment, you can text me at 612-327-0809 or email me at T-E-H-L-E-R-S at oasismd.com. If you'd like any more information about the clinic or me personally, you can find me on my social media pages at drtravisehealers on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Also, my website is www.drtravisehlers.com. Hope everyone stays safe. Cody Decker is the anti-hero of the minor league journeyman. Drafted by the Padres in the 22nd round of the 2009 draft as a college senior from UCLA, Cody Decker is the all-time home run king among Padres minor leaguers. He got a cup of coffee with the Padres in, the, in 2015 and then spent time with the Royals, Rockies, Red Sox, Brewers, Mets, and Diamondbacks organizations before finally retiring last summer. Along the way, he became a bit of a celebrity through his fan engagement everywhere he went, his outspoken social media presence, and his ridiculous pranks, which you can still find on his YouTube channel, Antihero Baseball slash Daylight Films. Currently, Cody has a live stream podcast with his wife, Jennifer Sturger Decker, and Eddie Pence called Swings and Misses. Welcome to the podcast, Cody Decker. 
Hi. How's it going, gentlemen? Are all those things true? Uh, all of them are true, although I will say at Radio.com Sports, they prefer to refer to them as Radio.com Sports Originals. Oh, okay. They kind of feel like they kind of feel like the word podcast is a little cheap and kind of right. undersells what it is. <laughs> okay, that's fair. We'll edit that part out. He's a good editor. So are no, you- no, no. You keep you keep that in there because I want them to hear me say that, so they know that I'm being a good soldier. Yes. He's a company man, right company there. Man. I am. I am totally a company man. Uh, don't you don't you know that about me? So are you officially retired from baseball? Yeah, yeah, I am officially retired, but I do have a phone right here in case anyone calls. Gotcha. So, are you are you playing? Are you are you what What's your routine? Um, well, I did go like in Los Angeles right now, and I just drove here yesterday from El Paso. I've been in El Paso for like the last two weeks. Um, I live in both places. I go back and forth weekly. We I have a facility in El Paso that I'm uh, you know I'm as you're going to probably bring up. I am the associate. Uh, the associate executive director of the El Paso Border Youth Athletic Association. And um, it, it's we have a baseball facility called The Base in, yeah. in El Paso. We run a lot of really good programs, including uh, my good friends Joe Bimel and Brent Dean joined me in, in the whole thing. So they're running their Bimel Lead Athletics program there as well. So today I went down to the El Segundo facility just to like grab some stuff. I got a quick workout. It's not exactly open at the moment. So did that, came home, and I'm just uh, – I'm jacked. So, I, and I will. I will. I will admit. I will admit. I, I did. I did swing the bat a few times last <laughs> week. So I was over in El Paso, and I was working with this uh, great young player who's drafted in the fifth round by the uh, Orioles, named uh, Daryl Hernandez. And he is really good, really athletic. I've been just working with him on a couple of things over the last few weeks. And he threw to me, and I took some swings. Whew. What can I say? Daddy's still got. Uh oh. Okay, hey, we both play rec ball, man. As soon as it's back up, you're more than welcome to come down here. And play uh, my... You can't afford. You can't afford me. Oh, oh man. man. So I pay. play. I, I play. I played for seven years practically for free for the San Diego Padres. <laughs> I am never playing baseball for free again. Uh, nor should you. So a lot of ideas have been coming out about what's going to happen with baseball. How are they going to get back on the field? And I heard the idea about replacement players taking the field. What What do you think of of that? Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of people that will cross the picket line, but it, the viewership will be staggeringly down, and Major League Baseball actually will lose money. Um, it's it's a disastrous idea. The fact that anyone floated it out there should immediately start punching themselves in the face. <laughs> Good. I like the strong take. That's about right. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to dig back into history a little bit. Um, in 2008, you were in you were at UCLA, and I was at Oregon State. And I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this properly. Um, did you used to do a uh, like a pre at bat routine before you step in the box? You kind of between wiggle, every pitch, you'd wiggle the bat out in front of you, and you kind of and I and I kick my legs back kick six the dirt. times. Yeah. Okay. Six times. So like a bull about to go after a. <laughs> Going after that <laughs> red, uh, red blanket, that <laughs> red sash. Right. So I was, I was a college student at Oregon State, and uh, somebody started heckling you. Well, I mean, we were heckling everybody. We, we took pride in it, and somebody mm-hmm. started calling you Sunshine. And next thing I know, it's like all these people are calling you Sunshine, and it was late in the There's game. There's no way they were calling me Sunshine. <laughs> I don't know where. Have you ever seen from. Remember the Titans? There is literally no rem- maybe Bertier, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but I definitely we had some guys that looked like sunshine, but I can't stress enough it wasn't me. Well, I, don't, I highly State, doubt. So they were. Oh yeah, the I sunshine. forgot the oh. higher education of Oregon State. <laughs> right. 
Hey, I'm doing all right with my mechanical engineering degree. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, long story short, you wound up hitting a, a game-winning home run in that. You I were hit like two home runs that series, <laughs> and I remember one. One of them was specifically, and I can't believe I remember this, but I remember one of them was specifically. They were yelling at me, and they started yelling at me about my mom because it was Mother's Day, and my mom was sitting there. Oh. So, so I remember I homered and I crossed home plate, and as I'm going in. I literally looked at those group of fans and am I allowed to cuss? Yeah. Sure. I'm like, fuck you. And I looked down and my mom, love you, mom. And she's like, I love you too. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's not unlike what Ian Kinsler pulled on all of us. Only there was nothing about his mother in that. Um, so you were, you were teammates with Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, right? They were, they were freshmen when I was seniors. Actually, uh, Bauer was more of a, honestly, a high school senior. He left, he left a year early. So he was yeah. young, really young. Um, and I got him at the really young stage. And, uh, so he, he's, you could see it then the, both of them, especially Cole at the time, uh, Bauer, you know, showed flashes, but Cole came in for a 98 with ridiculous arm side run. And with, with, with the confidence of a guy, when he'd walk into a room, his penis had been in that room for 25 minutes. Just the things that that guy used to say that you, you're like this arrogant little prick. And then he would go and back up everything right. he said to a T. I mean, this is a, this is a true story. I swear, I, I should, you know, this is actually what happened. Garrett Cole comes in. It's August 14th, so it's one day before he needs to decide to sign. He's over there at UCLA, and I'm working a kid's camp. I'm getting ready for my senior year, but I'm working a kid's camp because I decided not to go play summer ball that year because they were going to convert me to catcher, and then I went to my senior year that didn't catch me one game, so thanks for all that work. Um, <laughs> But I remember I'm sitting there and Cole's coming over and he's just like, hey, Co Dak, do you think I'm going to come here? I'm like, no. You went in first round and the Yankees said they're offering you $4 million. Why would you come here? You're an idiot if you come here and I hate you. And the reason why is because I turned down uh, the Angels said they'll take me in like the 14th round if I would take like $40,000. And I'm like, right. I'm like, no, I'll go back my senior year. I'm like, that's not worth it. So I went back. But I was very angry and bitter of baseball at that moment. Uh, and I'll tell you a story how I got out of being bitter if you, if you got time later, but the, uh, it was, he's telling you all this and he's like, Oh no, 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 no. It's, I can just come play here for three years. I'll go first overall and I'll sign for 10 million. And I just stared at him like, I'm going to knock out this young little, this right. young little bastard. And then he did exactly that. Uh, crazy. To a T. So many things he's could just go that good. But, but he, for much of it, for, by the way, I've given him a lot of help because he's, it's easy to. He's, he's, for as much of a pain in the ass he was at 18 years old, he was the most fun pain in the ass you could ever dream of. I, he's that guy, if you play against him, you hate him. You can't right. help but hate him. Right. He, he makes him, he can easily make you hate him. But if you're with him, he is one of the best teammates and one of the most fun guys you could ever know. I, I absolutely can't. I don't have enough nice things to say about Garrett Cole. So Trevor Bauer is like the polar opposite personality-wise, right? Personality-wise, yeah. They're, they're very different guys. I mean, he has oil, all the cockiness and confidence. I've heard all the same stuff that he can't I mean, Bauer's own... got plenty of cockiness and plenty of confidence. That's, that's, not, that's not mince words here. But they're, they're very, they go about it very different ways. Bauer's a little more awkward. Um, just, you know, they're, they're just different guys. Okay. So your draft story, what, yeah. what was, what happened on draft day? Did you know you were being that the Padres were looking at you? It sounds like a bunch of teams were talking to you at the time. I was speaking to just about everybody. I had meetings with everybody. Uh, you know, I, I, I was either one or two in the nation in home runs that year for D one baseball. Um, I had a hell of a year. I hit like three twenty or something like that. Uh, the only thing that sucked was my junior year was terrible. 
I was I was told before the year I'm going to go in the top five rounds, and and then I just had a horrible year. Uh, it honestly like, made me hate baseball. I had to spend that entire off season falling in love with baseball again. Um, and luckily, it worked, and I, I made some adjustments, and it kind of changed my entire outlook of baseball and outlook of the game. Um, but yeah, no, it was just um, I was speaking to everybody. I spoke briefly with the with the scout that drafted me, like briefly. So I didn't. I had like long conversations with the Royals. I had long conversations with the Diamondbacks. The Marlins told me exactly when they were going to take me, and they all told me the exact same thing. You will not get more than one thousand dollars as a signing bonus because you're a senior sign, and we don't have to pay you a penny more. And uh, you're a so, first baseman, and you're a right-handed hitter. Yeah, you're right-handed hitter, and you know there's the thing on you that you're only a metal bat hitter. And I'm like, what is that metal <laughs> bat hitter? I'm like, what? what? I don't know how you five. leave the how you lead, threes, Yeah, how do you lead the pack? Yeah, well, I don't homers. use. <laughs> I, I I used a minus one in pro ball my entire career. It's a thirty-four, thirty-one. Because I'm strong as shit. So I I don't know where the hell that metal bat hitter shit came from, but uh, it was very like, fun to prove them wrong quickly. Well, you did prove them wrong quickly. So I got here in the ACL that summer. You hit 354, 421, 717 with 52 home runs in, fi- in 52 games, setting league, re- league records and RBIs and total bases, and you earned MVP honors over some schmuck named Mike Trout. Yeah. Chum. Never heard of him. Not bad. Anyways. Anyways, let's talk about let's talk about what I did. Yeah, not not what that trout guy that I've never heard of has accomplished. Overrated. Since then. He, I yeah. don't think he ever turned oh, out to oh, be anything. Oh, oh, three major league MVPs. Well, guess who's got the AZL MVP? AZL baby. And you're not getting that anytime soon, bro. I can't take you away. I can't take that away from you. <laughs> uh, no, it, it was it was a good time. I I, I wouldn't I didn't get the home run record. I was a little sad about that because they sent me they called me the low away, uh, so I missed the last like three games. I'm like, oh, but guess what? Just, like, give me like three more days. Just like three more days. I wonder if Ty three France feels that way about last year about not being able to get a couple more at bats. Get me over 400. Oh wait, 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 wait. Let's be real clear. There's a little difference between getting called up from AAA to the big leagues to being in rookie ball right. to a low A. Okay. True. True. Like I, I did. I was going to low A. They even told me when I went to low A, I was like, "Hey, you're not going to play. The team's kind of already together. We're just kind of sending you there so you can just win a ring because they won like 120 games." I said, "Oh, okay." And they, they kind of, they kind of told me he's like, "We want you just to get around these guys and be around these guys because you're probably we're going to skip you on low A next year and you're going to start in high A with them. So we want you to become part of the team now." Well, you never looked back. Right. Yeah, and I, but I but I looked at them. And I was just like, well, you know, while I'm there, you, you should probably like you know, play me too. Because would be nice. To I'm, I'm pretty good. Swings, you know. I mean, I don't I don't think it's gonna hurt you guys. So, <laughs> but they, they stuck. The manager stuck to his guns. Like, oh, I'm just gonna play the guys that were here. And when he told me that, I'm I kind of I'm like, you know, I think that's stupid. But you know what? I kind of respect it. <laughs> Is you that know, comfortable I think, in the organization? No, it was Doug DeCenzo, Dougie. He's like uh, the bench coach. Is he still the bench coach in Chicago? He's a coach over in Chicago. Uh, Doug, Dougie's, Dougie was great. It was just what he, I, I, what he told me that I was just staring at him like he was speaking, like he was speaking <laughs> gibberish. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah, we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna DH this guy uh, Carvajal. I'm like, by the way, Carvajal the next year was taken off the field and they turned him into a pitcher and they decided to DH him and sit me on the bench. I just uh, sat there thinking like, this is quite the decision. Thank God the other, like, there's seven guys in this lineup that could all hit and we're going to win anyways. But I'm just saying it, it would be a mild upgrade. It, <laughs> a little bit. Well, you spent the next four <clears throat> years killing it in double A AA and triple A. 
you couldn't quite break through? Did you feel like there was a, like a glass ceiling that was holding you down or what, what was that yeah. like? Um, it was a combination of things. I think I was just, a, I thought I should have been called up in 2012, to be honest with you. Then I thought 100% I was getting called up in 2013. And then in 14, I was like, well, there's no way I'm not right. getting called up now. And it was, I think I was just, a, it wasn't so much a thing against me at all. I think I was a guy that was, I picked the worst possible time to play for the San Diego Padres. During my seven years, I had five general managers, I had three owners, and I had three completely renovated front offices. Um, so every front office that would come in would refill with their new guys. So I just, I'm, I'm killing it these first two years. Well, in comes uh, the crew that's now in Chicago right now, and they bring the in Epstein. Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, the, the Epstein's guy, and they Jed bring Hoyer, in. Yeah. It was Jed Hoyer, and they brought in. Um, you know, they bring in Anthony Rizzo. Well, Anthony Rizzo is a, is a future superstar at this point, so I'm going to be behind Anthony Rizzo. Well, they trade. They the, the that regime goes to Chicago. Rizzo goes with them. I think I'm about to get a shot, but then they trade for Yonder Alonso. Now Yonder Alonso's got the job forever, and they just. Whether he played well or not, there was a lot of not in there, so it was a little frustrating for right. me in AAA. Right. But I'm just like, okay, what? No matter what, I'm, I'm, I'm. They're going with Rizzo, and then when Rizzo got her, not when not Rizzo, uh, Yonder. When Yonder got her, I thought, well, obviously I'll go up. And they decided to call up Tommy Medica from AA over me, and Tommy Medica's up there, and I'm like, wait, what? What the hell is? What planet am I currently on? That's nothing against Tommy. Tommy's a hell of a player. It was more just. How how am I being overlooked right. again? You got I play five positions. Um, I've in the organization so far. I, I didn't understand the thought process. And then the next year, you know, Medica stayed up all year. I'm in AAA. I'm, I'm an all star. I'm I'm leading led the PCL in home runs, and I thought I'm getting called up. Not the case. That's that's when Preller came in about a month earlier. And they just told told me, no, you're not getting called up. And I'm like, man, there's just, I'm not going to be a big leaguer in San Diego. It's just not going to happen. So it was. There were times where it was definitely frustrating because you know you're twenty. At that point, I was 27 years old. I had no money. Uh, you know, I would leave. I would go home broke, having to get a job and trying to find ways to make ends meet. And it was just, it was an endless frustration. <laughs> uh, I even asked them, and they were honest with me about this. I, I begged them, like, listen, how about this? I'll just release me and re-sign me back to like a decent contract so I can at least pay my bills. Right. Right. And they said, they said, we understand, we, we know, but we can't because it sets a precedent. And I just said, all right, well, another year, all-star. I was, I was having a great year. Um, I was just banging my head against the wall. And then Pat Murphy became the manager of the Padres. I'm like, well, Murph will get me up. Right. Still nothing happening. Uh, and then my new manager comes in and he stops playing me and I didn't play all of August. And I was just losing my mind. I'm like sitting here on 21 home runs at the beginning of 20 home runs at the beginning of August. And I don't I have maybe 15 at bats all of August. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Was that Rod Barajas and, that did that? No, no, no. I wish it was Rod. Oh my God. I would have gotten my bats and hit finished the year with 40. Um, it was, um, what was his name? Jamie Quirk. Okay. came over and did it. And me and Jamie did not get along great. And I never not get along with my managers. I played for some real stupid people that I found <laughs> out ways that I have found ways to really get along with like absolute morons. Yeah. Um, I think I've not gotten along with two of my managers in my career. 
Um, so that was a weird dynamic. And when they called me up, I was like, at that point, I was like, why? I haven't played in a month. I've just right. been right. like, this is this one's just kind of out of nowhere. And they were like, well, we want you to know it's not a reward. It's we're going to play you. And then I didn't play <laughs> at all. I just pinch hit. And I'm like facing guys like, you know, Kenley Jansen. And, yeah. uh, he's like, hey, go. Good luck. Go get him. I'm like, okay. And yeah. I did get one start, which was great. And I, I can't thank the Padres enough. I, it was my dream come true. I got my one start at Dodger Stadium. I'm a kid from L.A., so that meant a lot to me. You know, I'm sitting there playing first base where Steve Garvey played first base. I'm like, holy shit, man. This is this is something else, playing in front of my hometown and family. And that was that was great. They pulled me in the sixth, and I really would have liked another at that. But what are you going to do? So at that time, I was, uh, I was dating my wife, and we were right behind the plate, and I'm like – like, I was rooting for you because I was calling you, Angie, come on, Angie, hero, let's go. But it kind of sounded like I was heckling you. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, that's Cody Decker. He's a, he's a fucking stud. He's a stud. Watch, he's going to hit a bomb. I'm like, let's go, Deck. Come on, Angie, hero. And she's like, what is that? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, it's yeah, you, it was, were, you were a legend, dude. You were a uh, legend. It, it was, I had a good time. I had, I, listen, I, there wasn't a, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here complaining about the Padres because I don't have a I don't really have very many negative things to say about the San Diego Padres. I I loved everyone in that front office that they're now and the, all the ones that I had back then. Like I, I became very good friends with a lot of them. Um, I still chat with some like Sam Ganey. I still chat with him all okay. the time. Other guys in the front office, I still chat with. Um, I, I I love the Padres. Well, I, I was the, sad I didn't come back. Yeah. You had a strong following among the fans. There were a lot of people that were looking at what you were doing in AAA and going, why the heck isn't right. this guy getting a chance? And then when you finally did get the call up, it's like, okay, he's going to get his hit. He's going to get his homer. I mean, that's as a fan, that's really what we wanted was – watch this guy get his chance get his moment unfortunately it didn't happen so when you got called up did they mm-hmm. did they pull any little did they make it funny did they do anything weird or was it just a hey you're going to the majors uh no i i i, I after the game was over uh we got knocked out of playoffs i remember i flew home i was sitting there at baggage claim and i remember i was very sad because i wanted you know i i at that point i very much not not became complacent, just understood I'm never going to play in the big leagues with San Diego Padres. Right. At, so I wanted to win a championship in El Paso. That's like that's where my mind was, and I was very sad that we lost that game the night before. And uh, It was a very depressing night. So I'm sitting there at baggage claim. I got a phone call from Sam Ganey. Um, after the game was over, I sent him a text message saying thank you for everything this year uh, he was young he's my age and he's i was just like i want you to know you're gonna be great at this job and um i just can't thank you guys enough for everything and i wrote a long tweet thing and thanking the padres and a long tweet thing thanking the el paso fans and and i remember i landed sitting there bad disclaiming i got a phone call from sam ganey i'm figuring he's just calling to thank me for the the, the text and he just said that text meant a lot to me thank you so much my god like, oh, no problem i just thank you for everything and he's just like well um uh, do you have your baggage bags claimed yet? I'm like, uh, just getting them now. He's like, okay, well, why don't you, why don't you go home and hang out? And, uh, uh, tomorrow I'm, and tomorrow we're going to, f- we're, we're flying you over to Arizona. We're, we're going to need you at the big club. And I just said, what? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm the one that has to be the one to give you this news. Cause I know there's other people that are a lot closer to you, but, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to call you up to the big leagues right now. I said, <laughs> I'm like, and then I, I took, I took a pause like and I'll never forget. Yeah, I just took a pause. I'm just like, listen, I want you to know 
that if this is getting me back for all the pranks I've played and this isn't true, like, I'm like, I've had a really rough night. And if this isn't true, it might be the thing to push me over the edge. And he just goes, no, no, we're calling you up. You're going to the big leagues. And Stan was almost a big guy either. So, like, you could have just went dunk and it would have been, all right, Sam. That almost sounded like he was condoling It was an awesome call. It was a great thing. Got to go tell my parents. Uh, and then um, I you know, flew out and met the team the next day. And it was a very interesting team. It was. Yeah, that was an Oof. unusual team that they had put together that year. Oof. So you mentioned your pranks, and mm-hmm. that's where you kind of gained internet legend status. Um, okay, so Jeff Francoeur on Jeff Ears, mm-hmm. the 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 gimmick was that Jorge Reyes, who was an Oregon State beaver, Oregon by the way, you convinced Jeff Francoeur that, that Jorge was deaf. And, yes. And Jorge was in on it. <laughs> how did you put it all together? And how uh, long did, you, did this go on? Well, it went on for one month, and um, how do I put it? All right, I'll, here's something that I've, I've mentioned this a few other times in other interviews, but not in this detail. This was the third time I had done this prank. It was just this was the first time I did it on someone high profile, and the first time I let it go for a full month. Uh, there were times that I forgot we were doing the prank anymore because the season had moved on and we're still going. And then Jeff would do something stupid and we go like, Oh God, this is still happening. Oh, Oh yeah. Keep, keep, keep going. Um, I, and I remember one night it was the last straw because, you know, Jeff would go up to now Jorge was not doing like a hearing impaired person impression, impersonation, impersonation or anything. Right. He was just being quiet and going he, about his business. Was he a quiet person in general? Yeah, but, but but like around his friends, he's very talkative with his friends. He was just kind of keeping his head down. Um, it was his idea, and uh, please pardon the crudeness of his describing himself, because he came up to me and Pat Murphy and said, hey, guys, you guys going to do the deaf guy prank this year? And I said, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We don't really have any con- We don't really have any candidates right now. And he's like, well, if you do, I think I could be the deaf kid. I'm like, okay, good to know. All yeah, right. Yeah, Sounds good. Submit your I mean, an interesting, an interesting choice because he has interviews out there where he talks and is clearly not deaf. But, you know, we're going to find someone that's so stupid to not even bother Googling this. Uh, um, and then two days later, I get a phone call from Pat Murphy. He's like, hey, Deck. And I thought it was bad news because he's like, hey, Deck, we just signed Jeff Francoeur. He's going to be playing right field. I'm like, wait, are you telling me this because you think that I was going to be playing right field and I just lost my job to Jeff Francoeur because I'm going to be very mad. And he just goes like, no, 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 no. You're playing first, third, and maybe occasionally left. You're never going to play right field. I would never be that stupid. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, he's like, no, but I just got off the phone with him, and he seems like a great guy. I can't wait to have him. But he is definitely, definitely not all there. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I think we can do the death guy practical. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, I'm, and I just stand there, and I'm like, the Jeff Francoeur all-star, like nine years? Right. No way. He's like, Deck, he's going to be at today's game over at the Kansas City Complex. I want you to just talk to him and then give me the nod, and I think you're going to agree with me. And I went there, and I met Jeff Francoeur, and I was just like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so easy. So Pat Murphy Pat Murphy laid down the groundwork, went up to him, and he's like, hey, you know, competitive team, you know, we're going to get you back to the big league where you belong, and, you know, just El Paso, it's a brand new stadium, it's beautiful, great, it's going to be great. Cannot wait, cannot wait to get going. Oh, by the way, we do have one death pitcher, I just want to let you know that, okay. just, just in case it comes by. Was this in, front of every, was this in front of everybody? 
like three people because everybody on the team already knew about this prank. Right. Okay. And they were just like, they're just like, and once they saw Murph, three of them looked at, did that to Murph and they looked at me, looked at Murph and they looked at me and like, yeah, did Jeff Francoeur? I said, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, all right. It's and odd. then I, I went over, he's like, and then right away he's like, hey, Jeff and Cody. He's like, Cody, nice to meet you, man. It's great to be here. So we got a deaf guy, huh? Right. <laughs> it's the first thing he said. It was like, oh, oh man. This is this is gonna be good. Did you and want to do pranks as, on that? Did you want to do pranks against the deaf guy, or would that just been way inappropriate? No, he was just no, he was just very interested. Wow, he's like, man, how how does a guy, you know, how does a guy be deaf and play? It's like, well, you know, it's a pitcher, and you know, he knows mostly goes through signs anyway. <laughs> he's, just, he's just eating it up. And uh, man, 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 oh man! It, it, the the last straw. We were playing in Tacoma, and uh, once again, completely forgot. Mid game, Murph had to pull me up and set pull me up to him. He's like, All right, "Enough's enough. We really got to tell him." <laughs> um, because Jorge came into a game with bases loaded and nobody out, and he comes in and he strikes out the side, and we're up by one, and we're just going ape shit in the dugout. Just he's fired up, we're fired up, just going crazy. And all of a sudden, Frenchie runs down from right field into the dugout and slams his glove at his feet and pats him on the leg. He goes, great job! Way to go! And the, the clubhouse was connected to the dugout, and I had to sprint into the clubhouse. I My chest hurt so bad, but I wasn't making a sound. I was laughing so hard that I couldn't could, breathe. Right, you can... And I get in there, and the pitching coach is doing the same thing. He's keeled over, just losing his mind. Oh, shit. That's and so we're funny. like, and that was Mike Catherine. He couldn't, it was the funniest thing either of us had ever seen. And just Murr finally comes in, sees us both doing this, and he's just like, we, we have to end this. We got, we, we got, we, it's time. I said, okay. So we, we, we decided to tell him, but I, we were kind of trying to go over ideas and Murph had this big elaborate scheme, but part of it didn't even sound legal. Uh, he, he wanted to, he wanted Jorge to get, pretend he got hit in the head by a fly ball during batting practice the next day and then call an ambulance and have the ambulance be there and they examine him. Right. And then all of a sudden he can hear it. Oh, again. oh no, my God. It's a yeah, miracle. It's really we, bad. That's we wanted, bad. we wanted, Je- he wanted Jeff to think that it was a miracle. Right. To which I said two things. <laughs> By the way, this is before a game, and we're not talking about baseball. In the office is me, Pat Murphy, and Mike Cather going over how we're gonna how we're gonna end the prank. Nothing about baseball. And I'm just I'm like, uh, Murph, like it's not a bad idea. It's in theory hilarious. Here's the problem. Problem one: There's no way. Like we've gotten away with murder on how on Jeff Francoeur. <laughs> There's no way he thinks that's real. He's like, I don't know, Jack, you've met him. He might. I'm like, okay, but come on. And then I sat there. I'm like, and two, I really think it's a bad idea for us to call uh, 911 and make a fake call that I last I checked is like a misdemeanor or possibly a felony. Uh, You can work something out. I mean, you don't have to actually call. It's like, oh, I'm going to call 911. Hello, send an ambulance. Woo, 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 woo. Here comes an ambulance, right? And to do that would be, like, as a prank, just like, hey, we're going to rent a couple of PO, you know, a couple of guys, and we're going to rent a thing, and then we're gonna, that's cost a lot of money. You can't This even... sounds expensive, and right, keep really in mind, expensive. at this point in my career, I was making maybe $75 to play baseball. So 
I, I couldn't afford it. So I looked at, I looked at Murph. I'm like, I have an idea. Let me, let me, inter- everyone's got a story now. Every guy on this team has seen this. Let me go and interview everyone, talk about all the things Frenchie did and let me put together a thing and we'll break it to him by showing it to him. And he's like, okay, let's try it. I'm like, I'm like Murph, you don't think I can pull that off? <laughs> like I've, I've made a movie, like five movies already here. and They've all done well. Like, let me trust me with this. He's like, all right. So I edited it all night, put it all together um, and it was going great. And then I, I'm like, this doesn't have an ending yet, though. Like an ending I really want. What I wanted for the ending to be was the end credits. I wanted to be Jeff Francoeur watching the movie for the first time and us recording it. So I got everybody together in a team meeting beforehand. I'm like, I need you guys to have your phones out all over the place, all cameras on Frenchie so we can get his honest reaction. And that was the best part of the entire thing. Murph says, guys, we got a we got an email from Major League Baseball. Everyone has to sit down and watch this. It's a compliance thing. I'm not happy we got to do it, but everybody sit down. And Frenchie had, was there front and center because Frenchie's like, oh, I got nine, I got nine years in the show, bro. I'm gonna get the best seat. And <laughs> so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, it's so good. I'm so good that we knew exactly where he'd sit because we placed all the cameras everywhere beforehand. But we knew Frenchie a month now. We know where he's gonna be. Um, and we watched it and just his reaction and everybody just lighting up the moment, the line where my name's uh, Jorge Reyes and I'm definitely not deaf. And <laughs> the whole place lost it. Ah, and it just, okay. and it's just French and just Frenchy watching this going, you guys serious? <laughs> that big grin on his Nine face. Years yeah. in the big league, did you do that to me? And he just turns around. He looks at Jorge. He's like, say something, say something out loud right now. <laughs> and just like, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> And it was it was the best, but he was the best sport about okay. it in the world. And I remember after after the the we show, he's like, "Guys, it's the greatest prank ever." And just Murph goes like, "You might not think it's the greatest prank ever when it goes viral in three days, Frenchie." <laughs> and it did. Oh, it did. And it did. Um, it was uh, it was it was great. I remember one of my teammates who actually was deaf watched the movie, and he just goes like, "I am deaf, and I couldn't have pulled this prank off." <laughs> Okay, wow. so who got his navel pierced, and could you have paid him? Do you think you could have gone lower than $1,000 to get his belly button pierced? Uh, probably, but here's the thing. His name was Brian Altman. We called him the captain. He was, uh, he was just the greatest guy in the world. We got him. He was like from an Army family, very, very proper, and he was very quiet. This was during that team, this grouping of teams that we were like minor league team of the year, like three years running. We kept winning 100 games. We were monstrous and we're like, we were going like neck and neck with that Royals team that was going up. So we're just, so, you know, the the Royals kept that team together and, you know, went to the World Series twice and won. The Padres sold us all off and kept me. Uh, what a good move that was. Um, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so I'm just sitting there. Uh, I, with the, this guy, we called him, his name was Brian Altman, nicest guy in the world. And I remember I left because I broke my ankle and I had to miss three months of the season in 2011. So I left San Antonio. I was having a monster start to the year. But I come back with you know, two weeks left uh, to finish out the season. And we ended up winning another Texas League championship. But I'm sitting there. I get there and Brian Altman's a different guy now. Completely different guy. Going out with the guys. The guys are buying him drinks. We had a couple of bonus babies on the team. Let's just, let's just say that took him under their wing and decided he had some personal turmoil. So the guys found an opportunity to find, well, we got ourselves a person to destroy guys. 
and Brian was going out every night. I remember one night I went out with him, and Brian's sitting there. They're just putting shots in front of Brian. They're not even drinking at this point. Just Brian, they just like, we're going to make sure Brian has a great night tonight. And I remember sitting there, and Brian Brian just looks at me after having, like, four shots. He just goes, like, someone hands him another. He's like, is this what we're doing, guys? We're just we're just all throwing our lives away, huh? Okay. It was hilarious. But Brian was just the sweetest guy in the world. I remember the next day we were at the stadium. We were, I think we were at Corpus Christi, and he walked around with no shirt on. I'm just like, God, Brian, got one of those bodies that I bet you did. You'd look really good with a belly button, right? <laughs> and he's, he's like, thanks? And then right away, Blake, Blake to Cody sitting there at the, on the couch and just turns around, hey, Brian, how much would it cost for you to get a belly button ring? He's like, nothing. He's like, what if I gave you 50 bucks? Would you do it? We'll pay. For, I'll pay for the ring. He's like, no. He's like, $100. What? He's like, no. And then other guys started chiming in. He's like, I'll throw in like 20 bucks. Right. He's like, 120 bucks, man. Then all of a sudden, five, 10 guys are around. Just surrounding this grouping of three people, which was Brian, me, and Blake Tacody. And he's just going, he's like, guys, I'm not doing it. He's like, at this point, we're at like $270. He's like, he's like, all right, fine. You know what? Raise $1,000 and I'll do it. And right away, you just, you just heard, oh, shit. Blake's like, I got, Blake's like, pulls out his thing. He's like, I'll throw in $300 right now. $300. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, somebody's like, I'll throw in another 10 I'll throw in another 50 and then all of a sudden, I remember we're at $900. And it was like we're at our limit. He's like, no, we'll do it for anything but 1000 I remember Simone Castro jumped over like like he was Shaquille O'Neal dunking on five people, jumped over all of us and threw the $100 bill on the yeah! table. And the place <laughs> went insane. It was like we it, it was like it was like Jordan making the shot in the finals insane in there. And I remember Randy Smith. Yeah, that's you grace. Okay? That's grace right there. That's uh, yeah, we were bad. If you could see, uh, Donovan has the carpet completely up. Yeah, oh, I'm like their pet safe. dog. <laughs> anyway, I, I just want to say hi, Cody. That was awesome. Hello. <laughs> it's good to see you. Okay, so Simone Castro um, jumps over everybody and dunks dunk, hundred bucks. Dunks it down. Oh, an eruption that you would only hear from Jordan sunk that sunk the three in the finals. And I remember Randy Smith, our head of player development, was there. He finally peeked his head out going, and he could never get mad at us because we won right. all the time. It was a madman grouping of players. Yeah, a lot of guys loved to party all the time, but they showed up the next day, and we just mowed over everybody. The team was not fair. Like It was like we were the monsters from Space Jam. We, just, we, we would come in and just destroy people. And I remember... Randy Smith came out and looked at us. He's like, what the fuck are these guys? What are these guys up to now? Like, what am I going to have to deal with right. now? Explain to the Padres. And he's just like, and we're like, he's, and we pick him, we put him up on our shoulders. We put him like he's, like he's Rudy at the end of the movie. We're like, <laughs> we're getting him a belly button ring, Smitty. We're getting him a belly button ring. And just Smitty's sitting there with the door open, just, just slowly just closes it. Sorry, he is. He's like, oh, these kids. What is wrong with them? Um, I can't believe how much he put up with us. Um, but yeah, we, the next day we took him down. We uh, I remember Jeff Decker bought a pink diamond uh, Tiffany's belly button ring. It was lovely. And That's very it nice. Was, it was very lovely. It was very tasteful. And uh, we got him and I were in the chair. And I remember he looked like he was about to be executed. <laughs> 
And that's how he looked on his face. Like he was, he was about to get a lethal injection. Oh, he was terrified. Uh, he had to keep it in for the rest of the season. Uh, and we went to, we went to the championship. So it lasted an extra month. Uh, and we offered him $200 a month in the off season to keep it in. And he refused. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. 200 we bucks want, goes a we, long way. A long way. We, we wanted him. We wanted him back next year. We <laughs> wanted to see it in spring training. Like, let's not, let's ride this wave, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Oh, my God. Okay, funny. so the other the other thing I got down here, you locked Jeff Francoeur in the bathroom. Um, how long yes. was he in there? And tell us how he got out. Okay, it started this way. The second prank of Jeff Francoeur, uh, which I called Jeff, Frenchie number two. Now, Frenchie's biggest thing was he was very against um, using the teen bathroom. He felt like, yeah, you know, I got nine years in the show. I should be able to use the nice bathroom. So he kept using Pat Murphy's bathroom. Murph would get to the field. He tried to go into his bathroom. It was locked because Frenchie was in there. He's like, why are you always using my bathroom? He's like, oh, it's just nice. It's peaceful. It's private. You know, I try to get done before you get here. And <laughs> so I remember we're over it. I remember I'm sitting there and uh, Carlos Quentin was rehabbing with us. I'm sitting there with Quint and Hugh and we're just chatting and having a good time and just Murph comes out. It's like, God damn it. Frenchie is in my bathroom again. And I, 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 I would implore you to ask Carlos Quentin the most fun two weeks of his baseball career were. I guarantee it was when he was playing with me uh, in El Paso because we, he and I, all we did was play lit pranks and laser tag. Yeah. Like we had so much fun. And he raked because he was a monster of a player. Right. Um, but I remember. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, you want me to lock him in? He's just like, how are you going to lock him in? And I just walked over to the front and we had all these exercise bands. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, they're both hooked doors. I could probably just grab these exercise bands and see what I can come up with. And then, then just right away, Quentin's like, I'll help you. All right. <laughs> So then it became me and Carlos Quentin getting all these exercise bands, very thick bands, and oh, just yeah. tying them off to each other, to each other, to another thing, to another thing. So then it got all the way out of the clubhouse into the hallway against an exercise <laughs> bike that's hooked into the ground. And it came to the point where it was like 20 of us doing it. So it was like me, Travis Buck, Carlos Quentin, Blaine Boyer, just and Blaine's his best friend, and Blaine's just like, oh no, I'll throw him under the bus. I don't care. This is great. So it was, uh, it was a really fun time, and so we trapped him in there for about. We're like, should we leave him through BP? Like, should he just not take batting practice today? He can just yeah. hang out. You're like, yeah, we thought about it, and then he figured out that he can that there he go over the top because it was those panels. So he ended up climbing over the top out of them there, like Mission Impossible style, and coming back out into our clubhouse. So that's how Frenchie escaped. Unbelievable. That's another video that you all need to look up. Yeah, look it up. On the anti-hero uh, YouTube channel. Okay, so you've had the honor of representing Israel in the 2013-2017 World Baseball Classic. Um, you have a mascot that gained its own celebrity status, the Mensch on the Bench. Uh, where did that come from? Uh, so I saw it on Shark Tank, and um, I just realized when we were playing in the qualifier, I'm like, we need an idol of some kind. It was the night before, too. You know, we were just I'm talking s- about your Pedro Serrano jersey that you're going to put up on the wall. Right. And oh, he, yeah. Yeah, so he had an idol. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I wanted a Jewish Joe Boo. Um, and then, so I immediately called my clubby. I'm like, you need to get a mensch on the bench here immediately. And he's like, a what? I'm like, Google it, find it. I don't care what it is. Go to FAO Schwartz right now. Get me a mensch on the bench. And that son of a bitch got it done in a short amount of time. So I called uh, somebody, uh, one of our other clubbies, and said, we need offerings for him. Um, how about get a bottle of Manischewitz and maybe some guilt? And uh, so we put him in the we put, we set up a section for him in the club in the dugout, just and we would give him new offerings every single game. And I remember when we won, won the qualifier. Uh, Nick Rickles sprinted out to do the dog pile, running with the, the bench, bench. bench over his head. And then um, after that went so well. Uh, apparently I got a call from the guys from bench on the bench and they just said our sales in uh, quadrupled this year uh, in the last two months after that qualifier. I said, well, you know, you're welcome. He's like, I'm thinking, hey, maybe they're going right, to throw, right. throw me, throw me a little money. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, huh? Huh? And what he said was, I'm going to give you a life size bench on the bench. I'm like, Oh, that's not what I was <laughs> hoping for. <laughs> It's cool. But I'm like, but I'm like, you know what? I could use it. I'll take it. So I took the life-size bench on the bench and used it. I uh, decided to take it with us everywhere we went. And it took on a life of its own, which I had a feeling it would. And then you see all these other teams trying to have their little idol because they can't come right. they can't sit they can't come up with their own shit because they, everyone's got to steal from me. <laughs> and um, And if you don't know, if you guys haven't seen it, it he looks like it's a his fitted Jew, right? It, it's with yeah. the beard and the... he he's a, you have to understand what he is. He's a mensch yeah. on a um, bench. So Nick Rickles, I followed that guy for about four, guy. Uh, about four years now. I mean, I, I watched him minor league ball. I don't know. I'm on Instagram a lot, so I, I followed him and I followed him. And just I don't know why I followed that guy. And then he became a coach, and mm-hmm. then he coached. I think. Um, well, it was it used to be the rookie season rookie team for uh, the Rockies. Uh, and then he got out. Now we think he's doing something else, but he's no longer in baseball. And I still follow him and him and his wife and his lovely kids. And it's uh, mm-hmm. just seems like a great guy. Great yeah. dude. One, one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. I, I absolutely love Nick Rickles. Great, great, great guy. Um, I think he's still planning on playing in the Olympic for the Olympic team. So real quick, speaking of which, through all the what's going on with Major League Baseball this season, no one's mm-hmm. talking about this is the year. That the World Baseball Classic next year is the World Baseball Classic game, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when the tournament starts? Uh, they, I think they've already pushed. They've already decided to push the next World Baseball Classic back. I think at least a year, because they're, right now they're still planning on doing the Olympics now in 2021, provided all the you know the COVID stuff we get past COVID. Right. Um, so I think they decided to push the WBC back another year, which I I, hope, I can't wait for the next WBC. The WBC. Uh, shows you how fun baseball can be right. when baseball gets that gigantic rod out of its ass. Yeah. American baseball is so rod. Oh, so <laughs> rigid and, and bitter. Like, don't be afraid to let the children have fun. Right. Like, you, you want to pimp a home run? Pimp the hell out of it. Right. You want to you want a fist pump off the mound? Go right ahead. If you pimp a home run and it ends up becoming a single, then you're stupid and you get what you deserve. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Right. You, right. Didn't, you didn't want to give up a home run to me? Well, you shouldn't have thrown it there. You know, and, and, I didn't want you to fist pump after striking me out? Well, maybe I should have hit the ball. 
You know, and it's funny because this is the year where a lot of Americans are watching KBO and the Korean Baseball League, Japanese Baseball League, that's in, that's to another level as well. As oh, the, the bat flip is an art. The bat flip, yeah. the, the fans are they, just... They tailor their swings to have a bat flip. <laughs> like, in a way that, like, I can't even physically do. It's so fluid. Like, it's like, like an me, extension I, of the swing. Yeah, like, it's it's just the end. It's just the end. It's the perfect springboard. They figured out to springboard the ends of their swing. Me... I didn't hit very many home runs because I'm Jewish. And my first thought was, what if it's not gone? You got to get on second. Um, <laughs> and I had, I hit like 2,500 footers. Didn't pimp them. I, I just said, ah, you know what? And somebody's like, oh, you should have looked at that one. I'm like, yeah, man. You know, I've been there. There. I, I, I'm like, I've been there before, son. <laughs> that's, that's how I pimp it. That's how I pimp it. I pimp it. I pimp it because I don't, I pimp it so hard. I don't need to right. pimp it. And, <laughs> And that was a complete lie, though. It was just like I pamped it because, like, well, what if it's not gone? I can't be on first, right? And and uh, you know, that, that's that's why I, I ran them out. That's funny. So you, so you became uh, obviously the cult kind of following on the internet, on Twitter, and on on YouTube, and all this, but also in the community of El Paso. You seem to make a connection with the fans and with the, the community there in El Paso that obviously has lasted beyond your playing career now. Yeah. Uh, I, I fell in love with that place. Uh, you know, there was so much uh, confusion when we were leaving Tucson. Uh, we we're going to be in El Paso. And at the time, El Paso didn't have a very good reputation. That, it was completely unearned. Because El Paso at, at the time was like 10 years running, safest city in the United States. Yeah, but everybody uh, says, oh, it's a border town. And right, but it's a border town with Juarez. Juarez. Yeah, but it's like a border town with yeah. Juarez. So everyone's like, oh, Juarez, Juarez. Well, what if it happens to Juarez? All the gang violence that's been in Juarez. None of it comes across the border at all. There was just nothing to worry about. But we people went in there paranoid. And I remember, and, we, and we're named the Chihuahuas? Like, what is happening to my life? And... <laughs> And I remember at first I was annoyed, and then I t- then I thought back, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna wait. This is all gonna come down to one thing. When we get to El Paso, how they react. If there are fans there and they embrace it, I know this will work. And I got there, and they were rabid. They were crazy fans, and that just Chihuahuas decked out to the nines. It was the greatest thing that has ever happened because after that, every other team followed suit. Every team name got more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Chihuahua is kind of the beginning of that. And it's really theirs because, you know, it's right next to Chihuahua. It's, it's just, they, they just, it's just something that they embraced. And man, is it so fun. If you have never had a chance to go to an El Paso Chihuahuas game, uh, make it, make it on your bucket list because yeah. you will see fans that you wish were in San Diego. Yeah. Like, why, why aren't the Padre fans like this? You know, uh, I've I've been the last two years, and yeah. it really is an amazing environment. Great fans, beautiful ballpark, right in the middle of downtown. Donovan, you have to go one of these. I times. gotta convince the wife to go to El Paso. She's, Just, she's El Paso. Got to go to El Paso. And, you got to go to Fort Wayne. Yeah. I, I don't know what you thought about your Fort week Wayne, and a half in Fort Wayne. Beautiful stadium. Right. Beautiful yeah. stadium in Fort Wayne. But El Paso, it, it's almost like a big league ballpark, yeah. and the mm-hmm. fans. It's you get a little bit of that feel of the Latin enthusiasm in the games. They get some chants going and, and all of this. So it's kind of. I got to imagine it's kind of like what going to a game in Mexico or in some of the Latin countries is like a little bit. Okay, so if you listen to one episode of our podcast, you have to go back to when we were at the winter meetings and we talked to the guys from Brandios mm-hmm. because they, uh, I don't know if you ever met Jeff and Sean. Is it Jeff and Sean? Ah, you put me I on the spot. No. Right. Um, I see Jeff on my Facebook timeline all the time. Um, they talked about 
like because one of the questions was like building. Uh, how do you come up with a brand? They, they came up with what the Chihuahuas name. Like, the Chihuahuas was the one team we named where we got death threats from people because it was so scary. So th- that's a big reason why they put a scar on the eye because the dog is because he's tough because he's tough and like it's Jason they, and Casey by the way. Yeah, he's like we received death threats, but what happened is the community fell in love with Chico, fell in love mm-hmm. with that brand, and then, you know, but the original idea is like, well, the Chihuahua, like you said, like Chihuahua, it's a Chihuahua, it's a little, it's a little dog. But yeah, but they're, they're tough, they're, they're feisty. Tough, they're fierce, they're loyal, they're loud, and he's like, it's one of our all-time bestsellers. Mm-hmm. And, but if you ever listen to that episode, like, we got those guys at the hotel at around 9 o'clock at night, about six beers into the night, and they just tell this, their whole story. They, mm-hmm. they went to high school together, um, they were the... A fryer for the Padres. The mascot. In 90- One guy was in the costume. The other guy was his handler. In 98. Really? And then 99 when Kevin Brown went to the Dodgers. Yeah, they got fired. And it's it's a great story. You, you got you to look it it's up. Real fun, it's a real fun episode. Just talking to those guys, talking about their whole brand. Okay, so after you, re- so you're now the associate exe- executive director at the El Paso Border Youth Athletic Association. Is that mm-hmm. a position that you took before you retired from baseball? So uh, when I knew I was going to retire, I- I've been meeting with the president of sport of uh, Radio.com Sports, which is Mike D, who used to be the president of the San Diego Padres. And he and I have chatted over the years. He had so many ideas of what he wanted to do after I finished playing. In fact, when I played there, he wanted me to retire and take over the pregame show, which was Padre's social hour at the time. Uh, so he wanted me to do that show. I said, I just got to the big leagues. Why would I retire? <laughs> he saw it coming, but maybe, you know. He's like, oh, no, trust me. This would be a better idea. Well, the show disappeared by season, uh, by month three of the season, so I made the right choice. Um, but we, we always stayed in contact and chat, chat about stuff. And, you know, me and Mike became pretty pretty actually pretty close. So he, uh, he said, I finally have it for you. And he, you know. Flew me into Boston during the season, called the Diamondbacks, asked them if it was okay. They, they gave me the day to go fly to Boston and, and do some talking. And we did a test show, and they just kind of said, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd love to do a sports show with my wife, Jennifer Sturcher, because she'll like keep me in check. And quite frankly, it'll be an amazing show. She's like way more qualified when it comes to sports talk than, even, than I am. Well, she's been a journalist um, for what, almost a decade right. now, right? Yeah, and then at that point she had stopped doing that and it become you know she was doing stand-up comedy at the time. So it was just to me it was just like a natural fit. And we did a test I remember I had an off day, we did another test show and then all of a sudden we had a contract in front of our faces. So it was just like let's let's do it. I'm in the middle of my season. I think I might retire, but I'd also been talking to El Paso for a while. And I'm like this is actually a thing a job where I can do both. I could legitimately do both these jobs. I can I can help this organization in El Paso, the El Paso, Paso Border Youth Athletic Association, which, by the way, the, the entire goal of the, of the association is to get as many kids into college through baseball and softball. And they were behind when it came to baseball, like frighteningly behind. Um, to the point where last year, only one senior last year out of all three cities of Juarez, El Paso, and Las Cruces actually went to play D1 baseball or higher. Oh. And that's, that's ridiculous. That, that amount of people, that should never happen. El Paso is the 19th largest country uh, city in the country. Um, you know, I can throw, I can, I can look at just four schools in the South Bay, and each one of them put out at least five guys a team. Right. So that shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening. 
So I kind of went over everything that was happening in El Paso as far as youth baseball, especially in the high school. I'm like, this is all very behind. So what I did was I made the suggestion, like, I'll do it if you let me bring Brent Dean and Joe Bimel of Bimel Lead Athletics and have them expand their business over here. We can work alongside them so they can really help train these guys properly. And they jumped all over it. And they're there right now training yeah. guys and um they're already having success we just opened a week and a half like a week and a half ago and it's been it's been incredible um bible it's, major it's, league major league pitcher right he's a he's a big yeah. pitcher yeah 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 he was a dodger he was a pirate he was a, a rocky I mean, he played everywhere did you but know was, joe galindo at all at any point no i did not he not was a he was a minor leaguer with a with the padres organization um and he retired in 2018, uh, but he came to El Paso for that um, exhibition game that they played against the Padres mm-hmm. uh, before that season. So he get, did get to make an appearance uh, in Southwest College uh, Ballpark. So good no, for him. A, anyway, he grew up. Amazing. He's a he's a El Paso native who actually made it. But it sounds like that's a pretty rare thing. It is. It is a rare thing. You know, they they it's it's such a vibrant community. They're baseball crazy. So we we really saw an opportunity to change um, not only just change baseball there in El Paso, but we're, we're in the midst of of plans of building a huge baseball complex there. We're seeing the idea of turning El Paso into almost like a Mecca for baseball players uh, down the road. Like it's a destination where ballplayers go to train. It's a place where you go to stay. Um, It's a beautiful city. The food's incredible. The people are incredible. It's just, you know, what, what a diamond in the rough type city, Um, you know, those fears that any of our players had when we first went there were quelched really quick because that place right. is just amazing. So now you keep a place in El Paso and a place in LA. I do. Cool. Um, Flying so, back out on Friday. So the topic of minor league contraction about the, the this proposal that they want to cut as many as forty teams is something that. So what you were just describing about kids growing up going to games, you know, working to become a major league player or you know at least help go to college. What do you think about this idea that they're going to remove baseball from all of these cities around the country? Um, it nauseates me. Mm. Is is honestly one of the better words I can say. It, it legitimately nauseates me because I think Dayton Moore has the best quote. And Dayton Moore is the GM of the Kansas City Royals. And you know, I played for the Royals for a short time. And I, right now, with everything they're doing right now, I couldn't be more proud. They're they're handling this whole thing as well as any Very organization good. in baseball. Didn't release a single player, and they even made the statement, we need to stand by our players. Because Dayton Moore and his assistant GM, uh, Gene, Gene Watson, who I, I still speak to a lot, uh, amazing guy. Gene Watson, and he's been out, and out, out there saying the same thing. It is our – we are not – the game doesn't belong to us. We are currently borrowing the game right? because the game's going to live on past us. And it's our job. It's not just our job. It's our obligation to leave baseball better off than when we found it. And right now, Major League Baseball is going in the wrong direction. It is damaged and bastardized. We are taking away future generations of players that are not going to be exposed to this game the way they should. In small towns, Helena, Montana, what, Burling, where, Burlington, Tennessee, at Burlington, uh, the Iowa. Royals, right? Yeah, like there's just so many places that are now going to be stripped of this opportunity to see baseball played at a high level. The goal should be to expand, honestly, yeah. the minor leagues and expand the growth of baseball. You know, they're they're looking so far ahead, going like, oh, well, you know, you want to expand 
into Mexico. We want to expand more into Canada. We want to expand to these cities. Well, you have so many cities within the United States already that you can expand to. Um, and now taking that away from 40 places, especially profitable places. Some of the teams that were on the list were mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, the Chattanooga Lookouts, why would they ever be on that list? Uh, Jackson, Tennessee, I kind of at least get. But if anything, they should just move out of Jackson, Tennessee. The whole Abbey League League's right there in, in Tennessee. Oh, all of short season? Short yeah. season's going to be a thing of the past. Um, the, you know, it's all, it's all about it's all it's all been about control it's all about how much money is made by the major league franchises and that is just it's it's irresponsible yeah because you are cutting off this game to where baseball's already having enough trouble making yeah. young fans and all you're doing is cutting this game off even more yeah like kids currently growing up in el paso they are padre fans do you think if the Chihuahuas were there, you think anyone in El Paso would give a shit about the San Diego Padres? No, no, they no would way. Maybe be Texas fans, or maybe even Houston, but probably maybe Houston less. fans, right. maybe Ranger fans, maybe right. Diamondback fans. They're closer to Phoenix than they are those two places. Wow, yeah, they're they're so far away from everything. They're yeah. they aren't really d- regionally attached to anybody. So maybe they'd like the Yankees, but odds are they probably wouldn't even like baseball. They'd grow up playing soccer, playing football, playing everything else. But because there's a team in that town, there's a reason to like baseball. And there's not that far of a stretch to even put El Paso on one of the cities of an expansion. I know Portland's getting looked at really hard. They're talking about maybe bringing it back to Montreal, which I'm not quite sure about. I'm on board with. You on board? I would with? love to see it in Montreal again. On board. The, if there there are cities that I immediately immediately comes to mind where baseball should expand to. Montreal is honestly number one on the list. Uh, Vancouver's another season that comes a uh, okay. city that comes to mind. Um, cities that already have AAA teams: Nashville, Vegas, yeah. both cities that I think should have a major league franchise. Been to uh, both Charlotte, those Char- Yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina, another place. Uh, I don't think Portland, um, Oregon should have one because. They couldn't maintain AAA teams three separate times. Yeah. In fact, the only team over there that's ever been really profitable was the short-season A-ball team that was an independent team, which was the, the plot of the battered bastards of right. baseball. The, the Mavericks. Mavericks. The Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, if they become a major league team over there in Portland and they don't name that team the Mavericks, shame on you, Major League <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> right. Well, you got, right, right out of Portland, you. you have the Hillsborough Hops there. You have the whole Northwest mm-hmm. League. Yeah, it's it, all these leagues are becoming a thing of the past because yeah. they, you know, there are aspects I understand. Yes, of course you want your all your teams that are close to your major league team a little closer regionally. But I would actually make the argument that you don't want them all closer to your major league team regionally because you want the opportunity to make new fans in different areas. Yeah. So, like I just said with the Chihuahuas fans, those were mostly Dodger fans and Diamondback fans and and Houston fans. Now everyone in El Paso is a Padre fan. So you you have a city like San Diego which by its rights should have nothing to do with El Paso. And your, your second biggest fan, fan uh, fandom is in El Paso. Yeah. And if you cut those people out, then it, even in San Diego, you know, you go to a game here, everyone I know that's a Cub fan doesn't live in Chicago. They live here in freaking San Diego. Every giant fan I know lives here in San Diego. So I to mean, have, to have an expat of Padre fans in El Paso, we almost have to have I, a throwback night to the, for the Padres for El Paso. I know how much you're going to hate this statement, but it's just the truth. Like we were always, every time we played the Dodgers, like, well, it's really nice to play at Chavez Ravine South, South tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it, the Dodger fans come in we don't, and they yeah. take it over. Yeah. Well, so and the, 
I can tell you in nineteen in the late nineties when the Padres were good and they were still playing at Jack Murphy Stadium, Padres fans would pack that house. You'd have sixty thousand yeah. rabid baseball fans locked into the game, and when Trevor Hoffman would come out, you'd hear that Hell's Bells ding. The place would go berserk. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you bring winning baseball back to San Diego. It'll be a madhouse. They'll finally yeah. start to push the other teams out. Right now, mm-hmm. teams are selling off their or play, uh, season ticket holders are selling off their tickets because they know they can get three times face value right. selling it to a Dodger fan. Right. So why should I go? Besides, I'm going to be surrounded by a bunch of a holes, you know, giving me a hard time for being a Padres fan in my hey, own come home. On. I know, I know how easy it is to hate on Dodgers fans, but I. With the exception of a lot of the left field and right field pavilion, I'm a big fan of Dodger fans. No, I, 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 I grew up, trust me, I grew up going to Dodger games, and I got to say, I got to say, I grew up going to Dodger games, born and raised in the town, and I will fully admit, it gets a little dodgy out in the right and, right and left field pavilions. Uh-huh. I will fully admit that. People get angry. Dodger fans turn on each other out there. But behind home plate and around third base down the line, it's it's usually a pretty great experience. I it, all fan bases get that way when they when they come in great numbers. Trust me, don't right. don't go don't go to the left field pavilion for the Chicago Cubs wearing a Cardinal jersey. Right, they will right. Eat you. <laughs> yeah. So it's I mean when the when the Red Sox come to town, when the Yankees come to town, when all these when the Giants come to town, it see it feels like we're outnumbered at Petco Park, and mm-hmm. it's I just I know that that tide is going to turn when the team finally yeah. is winning and they're exciting and they're fun and it's the thing to do. Yeah. You know, so I look it, it, to that. this is honestly one of the first times as a you know. Because I, I, I root for the Padres nonstop. I love them. I just here's the thing: the future has been the quote. The future is bright has been said quite a bit for the past twenty years now. Too long. Uh, yeah, and but I will say this is the first time that I'm legitimately looking at it, going like, you know what? The future might actually legitimately be bright. I do think they made a couple of missteps this off season. I would have liked them to bolster their starting rotation a little more. Yeah. Um, I really thought they dropped the ball on, say, picking up like Bumgarner and letting him go to an in-division rival like the Diamondbacks. I thought he would have been – Ryu was available. I thought he would have been good. I was I would have been more on Bumgarner because Ryu gets hurt a lot. Yeah. But I just thought another arm could really, really help that starting rotation. That being said, they got a real dynamic offense. But the only sad thing is they're trapped in a division with the Dodgers who are not going anywhere. Right. And quite frankly, the Diamondbacks are – filthy right yeah. now mm-hmm. uh, i think the dimebacks are going to get that that wild card i don't know and that so they're the padres are going to be battling for that second wild card and you got teams like you got teams like man the the braves are going to be after that spot yeah the the phillies might be after that spot the whole nl the, the Central. brewers yeah, yeah the, the cardinals will just find a way to make the playoffs Every i year. don't know how but they'll do it yeah um well you're saying just, this as if there's actually going to be major league right. baseball this year I think there is. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the deal is going to, I think the deal will get done the next couple of weeks. I just think there's a high potential of it being even uglier of a mudslinging fight in the next, next couple of weeks to get there. I thought the players associations uh, proposal back was more than reasonable. I it's, it's very dangerous to put, to open the door for uh, deferred money. But the fact that they are offering that is makes it very clear that the players want to play. Um, and uh, they, I do think there's no way they're going to get that 120 game thing. I think it's going to end up being 80 games yeah. uh, and 80 games seems very reasonable. Changing up the league structure for the year seems very reasonable to cut down on some travel. That's fine. I have no problem with any of that. Imagine if there um, would have been a DH back in like 2014, 2015, 
You wouldn't be on the podcast because you wouldn't be, be a major leaguer. Oh, man. <laughs> we don't talk I, to major leaguers. I, I got a phone call from a front office guy uh, that told me, now that we're going to have robot umps, you know this really sucks for is guys. And he, for some reason, I got a call from a different guy. A GM chimed in and said, Guys like Mike Napoli and Cody Decker would be in the big leagues for the next ten years because yeah. now you don't have to you don't like you don't have to be an artist back there anymore. You just have to catch the damn ball. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Cody could be a big league catcher for the next ten years. I'm like, well, I'm glad I retired, and you're telling me now, right? Um, but it was, um, it's just it's interesting. The DH thing. Here's the thing about the universal DH. I am very happy that it's coming into the game, and here's why. And I hope it sticks. And here's why. It's not because of the whole purity of the game thing. Anyone who talks about purity of the game, because apparently the double switch is where we draw the line to the purity of the game today. I just am so glad this useless debate is finally going to end between the, oh my God, just get it over with and put the DH in to no, but purity of baseball. This is a game that's dealt with more scandals than any other sport combined. For the yeah. love of God, just give, just stop making me watch the hitter, pitchers hit. That's all I want. Just, just give me another hitter. Yeah, for every bum gunner, you have a Joey Lucchese who's just like, yeah. you're going to get hurt. You're gonna, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm a fan for not having a DH. I'm a little bit old school that way, but I'm open to the possibility because of the team that we're building right now. The, the, the problem is they take the bat out of the guy's hands all the way back in high school. And so then for the next five, six years, they're not hitting. They're not even practicing bunting other than spring training. And then they get up to the big leagues and they're expected to be able to go up there and hit. A lot of these guys were really good hitters back in the day. Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke was great hitter. He could have been drafted as a shortstop. He was drafted as a pitcher, and some people even say that he's always been a little bit salty about that because he thinks he could have been a better shortstop and a hitter than he was ever a pitcher. But I think he's doing fine. He's doing right. just fine. But but my point I checked is, his bank account. Right. He's all right. Yeah, but if you if you don't take the bat out of their hands, maybe by the time they get to the majors, they're not a complete waste of a batting order spot. So I get it. It's it's an argument that that the the purest side has a hard time winning because the numbers just aren't there. And the whole and also, system is built around not having pitchers you, hit. You're absolutely right. It's just the fact is the, the, the way baseball is trained now, you're, it's all specialized training. They stopped hitting in high school. And even then, they weren't very good. And so let's, let's be real clear. Stop putting these guys in a position. Guys throw 90. Everyone throws 98 now. Right. Stop putting someone that doesn't know what they're doing up to face that. It's honestly dangerous. It's like Joe's versus, uh, Joe's versus pros. Yeah, it's just it's honestly at this point dangerous. I don't want my pitcher who I have a lot of money invested into sticking his nose in there to get a bunt down off of a guy throwing ninety five plus. I'm sorry, I don't. Put the guy up there that's been training to hit his whole life. Yeah, I mean it's Max just, Scherzer gave himself a black eye in batting practice right. trying to trying to bunt and he's been off doing a this machine for, oh. for so many years. A machine. He knew where it was going. Uh-huh. <laughs> he looks so tough after that. It's dude. not like he got switched up. Oh, I'm sitting fastball. Yeah, so it's just it's just a useless debate. It's it's something that is oh it was always inevitable. This was always going to happen. The fact that it just keeps getting like put off longer and yeah. longer has yeah. just been an annoying talking point that I just I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Just do it. You know, and it's probably fans that we just traded our biggest DH guy in Fermil Reyes. You know, we we have these guys that can hit, but they really can't play the first base. I really like Fermil. I really liked Frammel. And not only that, I, I loved Logan too. 
Uh, I, yeah. I was, uh, I, I didn't want to see him go either. I, when I heard that trade, it was like, this outfielder better be pretty good because right. <laughs> right. those were, you gave up, you gave up in my opinion, quite a bit for him. Um, but you know, apparently they're, they're hot on him. So I'm not going to sit here and, um, bad mouth of the prospects that, uh, that, uh, Preller sees he's pretty good at he's got a pretty good yeah. eye at those guys. He does a pretty good eye. Well, dude, we we could talk here all night. It's about nine thirty your time. Oh no, I, he's back in L.A. Oh, you're I'm in LA. oh, you're up in L.A. It's not even sunsetting, but it's dinner time at least. I need to go <laughs> cook dinner, which is going to lead us into a couple of Corona Cave kind of Corona questions. Um, okay, so who cooks in the household? Me. Who chooses the shows? That is honestly a very good collaboration, believe it or not. Um, you, trust me, the majority of the things that we do in our marriage is whatever Jen wants. But when it comes to picking shows, we're really good at deciding together. Okay, We really are. Name three shows we should be watching. Uh, well, that are current or forever. Eh, well, Just, whatever you're watching the right new now. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, then Doctor Who. Uh Jen and I restarted the West Wing. We've been binge watching the West Wing. Love West, wrong Wing. With the West so, Wing. So, Doctor Who, are you on like current era Doctor Who, or do you yes. go back in okay. the day? Okay. No, no, I kind of cut it off at uh, the current season, which was eleven seasons ago. I go two thousand five because what it does, it's brilliant. They spoon feed you the previous like thirty five seasons slowly, so all of a sudden you're all of a sudden you're in season four and you know everything about Doctor Who, and it's just it, they've done it. They do an amazing job, and then they do a great job of having it stand alone. And you fall in love with every guy and, and now woman that plays the doctor. and They become your doctor. When they leave, you are literally ripped to shreds. You're like, I'm done with this show. I hate this show. My favorite guy just left. And then the next person comes in and is like, all right, I'll give him a shot. Just good. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a great – it's just an amazing show because it's a show that's literally everything. You know, one week they want to do a Western. Well, guess what they're doing. Next week's a sci-fi epic. Did that too. Oh, horror episode? Let's do a horror episode. Christmas specials? Okay. Why not? <laughs> it's like it's like Rick and Morty almost. Anything can happen. I, I mean, Rick and Morty. They even Rick and Morty even like uh, they make a lot of Doctor Who references. But my favorite is their theme song itself is a Doctor Whee! Who reference. Oh yeah, yeah. Love yeah, so they, they one more show. Rick and uh, well, I'm, I'm between. Well, then I'm going to go with Rick and Morty. Now. All right, all right, okay. Dude, my wife found Rick and Morty, and we can't stop watching it. We love ending the night with a Rick and Morty. We go back oh, to Archer all the time. There's so much social commentary that's yeah. buried in there. Well, I don't know. Rick oh. is pretty much. Come on, Morty. I, I can't. I. I just mm. not that. <clears throat> Morty, 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 get, 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 come here, come here, Morty. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> And then he's a drunk. It just it, it, it tears oh. my heart as a former drunk. Or I mean, it's a show that's so good that it forced McDonald's to bring back Szechuan sauce. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, it did. Like McDonald's uh. couldn't take it anymore. They finally just gave up and said, "All right, here's the Szechuan sauce." Okay, so what uh, what irritating thing do you do that really just irritates Jennifer? Jen, what's the most irritating <laughs> thing I do that irritates you? Ah! We we heard it. We got it. Okay. Breathings, right? She said breathing. That's what I heard. You're breathing. I guess I guess it's just existing. <laughs> That's brutal. Uh, okay, you so you truly are a married couple. Okay, one more, and because you're a SoCal guy, we have to ask this: In and Out, or In and Out? Okay. Didn't have to go there. All right. I don't care what <laughs> you could you could say. Ruth's Chris, and the answer is In and Out. All right. There we go. I love it. 
Hey, dude. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. You know, we listen to I listen to Ben and Woods all the time, and they're kind of buddies of ours in in our little community on uh, Twitter. Uh, so we caught you every time. I catch you every time you're on there. I love um, doing their show. They're they're absolutely they're part of they're part of that whole intercom family with me now. And I I love going on the show any chance I get. They those guys are the best. That's right. Your colleagues and they don't have to pay for your. You know, they can just like yeah. They call no, I'm in. already paid. They just right. keep calling me, and I'm like ah. <laughs> Fine. What's what's the who is it? Was it the Bill Murray was the guy who came on Letterman all the time, or who was the guy that came on Letterman all the time? That it was Murray. Murray always went on Letterman. Right, right. He's like, hey, I, I need a guy. I'll do it. Well, dude, we really appreciate. Yeah, you taking thank the you time. so much. This has been a no lot of problem, fun. Guys. It was a good time. 